0: Well, we're going to learn something new today um, from Caroline Cotto and Claire Schlemme. And uh, it's, the company is Renewal Mill. And it's going to teach us something about upcycling. I, not recycling, upcycling, right.
1: The first, uh, the first thing they're going to tell us is, is how to pronounce their rather obscure last names. <laughs> So, uh, were you t-
0: two longtime friends, or what?
2: Yeah. So we we actually met in in our food journeys. So I had um, this is this is Claire. So I had founded Renewal Mill about five years ago, um, and a couple years in, um, we were still really in the production phase, really understanding how we wanted to. Cycle. So basically turn these byproducts that are coming out of food manufacturing that are super nutritious and don't otherwise have a home um, into ingredients so that we can keep them in the food system. And um, as part of my uh, journey, we had uh, started, we, we had been accepted into an accelerator program uh, of Techstars Farm to Fork Accelerator uh, to focus on um, on building up our production and understanding our sales pipeline and that process is actually where I met Caroline. So Caroline had um, had come to the accelerator to to kind of move her journey back into the food space. She had taken a break to go into tech wanted to come back into food and um, we actually our, I think our first big like conversation was in a in a canoe ride in one of the many lakes in Minnesota, which is where the accelerator was being held. And um, in the course of canoeing that morning, we realized that we shared a lot of the same visions for food and for our food system and for transforming our food system. And it was like, it was a really exciting, you know, bonding experience where, you know, we just were like, well, we're totally get each other. And we, we kind of are, are on the same page about what we want to be doing and, um, and so, yeah, so Caroline joined up um, after that, and, and we've been at it together for about three years.
1: Now, for wow. those for those, for those people for whom the word accelerator means something that you stand on in your car. Can, <laughs> can, can, you, can you explain what an accelerator is as far as you two ladies yes. are concerned?
2: Yes, absolutely. So um, in, indeed, it is exactly so you know designed to try to move you forward faster. Um, so basically they're they' they come in all different kind of shapes and sizes, but the idea is that more or less it's a program um, that's designed around mentorship and advisors and other resources that are made available um, for for you and usually a few other companies, like a cohort of companies. So that you can uh, work faster through some of the problems that you might be facing with with growing your company, or or maybe um, we've we've also been through an accelerator where the intent was to have a pilot project with a large um, food company be the be the outcome as well. So there's kind of different different forms that they take, but the the intent is to kind of have an intensive program that helps you solve your problems and be able to to grow faster.
1: And are you in Minneapolis? Or?
2: We're not actually. No, um, our our connection to Minnesota was was just through that accelerator, through the TechStars accelerator program that's based in the Twin Cities. We um, I founded the company in Connecticut when I was at, at Yale in graduate school. Um, and then moved the company out to Oakland, California, um, very soon after founding it, because our first partner facility that we are working with to harvest the byproducts is a tofu manufacturer in Oakland. Oh, okay. um, so, so that's what brought me out there. And I'm originally from Northern California, so was also excited to be to be getting back out there as well. Um, and then Caroline, I'll let you pop in about your your background and journey.
3: Um, yeah, I'm originally from from a town called Sandwich, um, and has been out here building the the company in Oakland, um, yeah, since twenty eighteen.
1: you 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 echoed a little bit over the town in Massachusetts.
3: Oh, it's a town called Sandwich, um, oh, Sandwich and my okay. fam- yeah, my family actually owns an ice cream store there, so was uh, introduced to the food business pretty early
0: on. Okay. I was going to ask what you all did beforehand, but before your, uh, your current business.
1: Before then, they were in Hawaii. <laughs> learning no, I,
2: I actually um, started a juice company before, um, before founding Renewal Mill, and that was – it was in that, um, position that I first came face to face with food waste, um, just because of all that pulp that we were generating when we were making the, the juices. So we just would end every day with, you know, a mountain of this super nutritious fruit and vegetable pulp. Um, and it was then that I kind of realized that there, there are a lot of inefficiencies in, in how we think about food production. Um, and, and a lot of nutrition that ends up going to waste and, when I met the owner of the tofu factory and had this really fortuitous meeting and conversation with him around his process, um, realized that we had a lot of shared similarities with the production process and the byproducts. And so um, that's when I, you know, kind of got excited about this as an opportunity and um, to this idea of being able to build businesses off of, you know, treating these byproducts as new sources of raw materials that we could be using as as ingredients. Um, yeah, so that's a, I was doing juice before this, and then um, was also before before turning all the you know turning into food. I was um, doing environmental consulting um, at a at an environmental consulting firm based in Boston.
1: Now, tell, tell our listeners something about the products that you create as a result of taking this byproducts and doing something useful with them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're um, primarily focused right now on the pulps that are produced during non-dairy milk production. So soy milk is the first one. So I mentioned we work with a tofu manufacturer. Um, Soy milk is the first step in making tofu. So it's, you know, you make the soy milk and then you curdle it and, and press those curds into the block, which we call tofu. Um, and that soy milk-making process leaves behind um, a lot of the pulp of the soybeans. It's it's very similar to juicing in in a way. You're kind of squeezing out um, some of the nutrition of the beans, and then you're left with the remainder. And that pulp is called okara. It actually has a, a Japanese name um, because it's, it has a, a, a much uh, deeper culinary history in East Asia than it does um, here in the West, Um but uh, it, it's packed with nutrition, it's a lot of fiber, it's a lot of protein, um, and we found that the same thing is true with the byproducts from oat milk production. So again, you have a pulp, that pulp of the oats that's left behind when oat milk is made. Um, also again, it's full of protein and fiber. Um, and so we take those pulps and we turn them into a shelf-stable ingredient by drying them and then milling them into a flour. So. Both of those byproducts create a high-fiber, high-protein, um, gluten-free flour.
1: No, it's in, it's interesting. Did, did you meet the people from Oatly, the, the Swedish people who founded the oat milk company? We did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, th- we thought we thought you might have. I mean, the, the world is only um, it's it's fairly small when it comes to recovering scraps. Totally. Food
2: products. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know yes, the. Yeah.
0: the we we interviewed those people when they first started out. They didn't even anticipate the demand for it, and then they couldn't meet the supply And
2: <laughs> Totally. I can imagine. I know. I, I, yeah. I think I just, um, when I was reading about the news of their IPO uh, the other week, I think I read somewhere that they were described as like the 20-year overnight success, because um, they've you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, certainly been was. working on the business for a long time, but... Um, yeah, had quite a blow up in their in their popularity. Well, you know, there's going to be
0: more and more and more of these things because we can't just keep throwing stuff away. Somebody just figured out what to do different with them, um, with uh, byproducts of winemaking. Uh, yeah. I thought they already resolved that. I thought they resolved that when they found out you could use the um, the seeds and the, the what do you call it, the pumice, or whatever. Mm -hmm, Um, for mm -hmm. making grappa but there's something even more um universally functional that they get out of used grapes i don't remember what it is now of course but um and it's just you know every day you find somebody finding i mean we can't just keep throwing food away i mean we just can't
1: totally totally absolutely what what is it that finishes up on the shelf for people to buy
2: yeah, so we, we sell the flowers retail so um so you can actually buy the pure flowers themselves. And then okay. we um we have
1: when you say flower you mean of, F- yep. F-
2: F-L-O-U-R? That's right. Yes. Not,
1: not <laughs> F-L-O-W-E-R.
2: No, no. F L
1: O U R
0: And and mixes like the our brownie mix that, and, and um right. the chocolate chip cookies. And do you put all of your your products together and little kits like that
2: yeah so we we work with um we have an amazing product developer her name is alice medrich um she's a five times james beard award-winning cookbook author um and she actually had already been doing a lot of work with alternative and gluten-free flowers when i um met her uh in the in the bay area she's based in berkeley and it was uh it was just such a lovely meeting and i think another great just kind of connection moment um where she was really excited about the possibilities of upcycled flowers as being a new segment of alternative gluten-free flours and and i was obviously very excited because i i knew you know how how much you know magic she brings to the kitchen when she when she works with uh, ingredients and so um, so we've been working together for um, gosh, about like two and a half or three years now. And so she's in, she's been the one who's developed all of the formulations for our baking mixes. And and what we really wanted to do was, um, you know, elevate these ingredients to, you know, really delicious, you know, absolutely wonderful food. Because you know, obviously, at the end of the day, food needs to taste amazing. And we wanted to make sure that we weren't, you know, we're used, our, our goal is to be using these upcycled ingredients so that we're, you know, we have a more sustainable food system. But we didn't want to just turn them into just anything, you know, and, and tell people to eat it. We wanted to make sure that we were using them in a way that was, um, you know, also creating some amazing, delicious food that didn't already exist out there.
0: And now, um, you, do people keep pitching us, some things to do with the uh, banana peels. Do you do things with banana peels?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't yet. Um, no, we have we have not explored banana peels. We've done um, a bit of R&D um, on, uh, we've done potato peels, like potato skins. Oh, yeah, well,
0: um, I love potato skins myself.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, I mean, ultimately it would be great if we kind of transitioned our uh, I guess our expectations to um, want to have the the peels left on potatoes when we make French fries, but there's a tremendous amount of waste that just comes from the fact that you know we're kind of a, accustomed to not having the peels on potato products. Um, well, there, and, the
0: the the, yep. the, um, the, um, the banana peel thing um, really was is a hangover from. Something having to do with the um, '60s and '70s, where there was some kind of a psychedelic use for them.
2: <laughs> was it really? Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know details. I have to research that up. But it just—I know
1: I've read that somewhere.
2: So. Oh my gosh! I should definitely me, look into that. That's really interesting.
1: Let me, let me give you another example of something that we came across in our travels some some years ago. My my my. Crazy Cousin Richard has a farm in Devonport, Tasmania. He's, he's brilliant, Richard, by but the way. He was, but one of the products that comes from that part of the island state of Tasmania is potatoes. And the potatoes that are grown in Tasmania supply McDonald's franchises all through the Pacific region. Oh, wow. But they, but they insist on buying them Cut down to the shape that will eventually become a French fry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, totally. So, so that, so they're, 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 the potatoes that they get paid for, are actually rectangular. What, what's that's what's the word for a three-dimensional rectangle?
2: Yeah, like a cube or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, except it's a except it's a. Long, then yeah, it's, it's right, long, right, long, right. Long, long, long by narrow, but but imagine what a scandal that is because, yeah, the waste throw the rest of the potatoes
2: away <laughs> totally, absolutely. Way, Actually, yeah, mean, one, yeah, one of my favorite, um, kind of upcycling stories because, of course, like the concept of upcycling is, is nothing new, it's existed forever. But um kind of a recent a more recent example that I love is that is based on the potato and it's um the Orida uh potato. I think they were doing pota- like frozen potato and corn processing um in the Pacific Northwest. These two brothers had started this plant in the in the 40s and they started doing um frozen french fry production when that was becoming such a such a thing and everybody was you know um loving french fries. And because of all that waste that comes out of that process, just like you were describing, um, they were sending all that excess potato to like spread on fields and both of the brothers had lived through the Great Depression and so they had kind of this mentality of like, you know, don't waste and so they put their heads together to try to figure out a better use for that ex- for those extra pieces of potato that, you know, weren't part of that, <laughs> you know, rectangle that McDonald's was buying. And, Vodka. Uh, and and they Vodka. ended up. Oh, that's that. That would be a good end of the story. They actually um, created the tater tot out of that, and so okay. um, I think that's kind of an interesting. What, no, interesting, I, said yeah. I said that
0: because one year this um, English uh, potato chip company won best in show or something at the fancy food show, and um, but they were faced with the same issue. Of um, what to do with the rest of the potatoes and so they started a separate vodka company
1: which was the premier vodka
2: that's so, awesome so they,
3: that's great I came,
1: back, I, I came back a year later as a beverage company too.
0: well long term you think this is really going to catch on and, and be the rule rather than the exception
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, I and is, I, yeah. Go no, ahead. go go ahead, Karen.
3: No, I was just gonna say that's that's really what we're hoping. Um, we helped start the Upcycled Food Association this past uh, in 2019, um, and it's grown from nine starting members to over 200, including Dole, Mondelez, um, Nestle, some some really big players in the space U.S. Foods, with the goal of, of educating. The, the general consumer about what upcycled food is and what direct impact it has on fighting climate change. So, we're, we're really excited to keep spreading that message and, and making it easier for producers and manufacturers to, to find upcycled solutions for their own byproducts.
0: Now, so, where are? can our listeners learn more about um, your company, your products, and, and actually have access to them? Your website?
3: Yeah, you can find us at RenewalMill.com and at RenewalMill on all social platforms. And then if you're interested in learning more about other Upcycled food companies, um, you can check out UpcycledFood.org.
1: Upcycled. Do do those again a little more slowly.
0: Food.
3: Yep, it's our website. Yep, that's correct. .org. Um, and. Yes, upcycledfoods.org. Op- 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 Great. And then um, Renewal Mill Products at
1: RenewalMill.com. There you go. Well, it's, it's, it's been an interesting day <laughs> Every, <laughs> of recording here it On the <laughs> Menu Radio. And uh, all, all, I, all I can tell you is l- listen up for the next few weeks, listeners. And uh, our guests on the program just now, because there's all kinds of wonderful, surprising things in our podcast menu that are already in the can and ready to be broadcast in the not too distant future. So we hope you'll listen in, listeners. We hope you'll continue to listen in with us as we bring you more, more and more and more of these food and beverage-related adventures. And and
0: really important issues in in our food system, which is how I view this upcycling as well. Thanks so much for having us. Well, thank you for coming on. (laughs) Okay. If you find out what to do about banana peels, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Or if I find out what about them is psychedelic. Well, we're going to learn something new today um, from Caroline Cotto and Claire Schlemme. And uh, it's the company is Renewal Mill. And it's going to teach us something about upcycling. I, not recycling, upcycling, right.
1: The first, uh, the first thing they're going to tell us is, is how to pronounce their rather obscure last names. <laughs> So, uh,
0: were you t- two longtime friends, or what?
2: Yeah. So we we actually met in in our food journeys. So I had um, this is this is Claire. So I had founded Renewal Mill about five years ago, um, and a couple years in, um, we were still really in the production phase, really understanding how we wanted to. Upcycle. So basically turn these byproducts that are coming out of food manufacturing that are super nutritious and don't otherwise have a home um, into ingredients so that we can keep them in the food system. And um, as part of my uh, journey, we had uh, started, we we had been accepted into an accelerator program uh, of Techstars Farm to Fork Accelerator. Uh, to focus on um, on building up our production and understanding our sales pipeline and that process is actually where I met Caroline so Caroline had um, had come to the accelerator to to kind of move her journey back into the food space she had taken a break to go into tech wanted to come back into food and um, we actually our, I think our first big like conversation was in a in a canoe ride in one of the many lakes in Minnesota, which is where the accelerator was being held. And um, in the course of canoeing that morning, we realized that we shared a lot of the same visions for food and for our food system and for transforming our food system. And it was like, it was a really exciting, you know, bonding experience where, you know, we just were like, well, we're totally get each other. And we, we kind of are, are on the same page about what we want to be doing and, um, and so yeah, so Caroline joined up um, after that, and and we've been at it together for about three years.
1: Now, For wow. those for those, for those people for whom the word accelerator means something that you stand on in your car, can, <laughs> can, can you can you explain what an accelerator is as far as you two ladies? Yes. Are concerned?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, um, indeed, it is exactly you know designed to try to move you forward faster. Um, So, basically, they're they're they come in all different kind of shapes and sizes, but the idea is that more or less it's a program um, that's designed around mentorship and advisors and other resources that are made available um, for for you and usually a few other companies, like a cohort of companies. Um, so that you can uh, work faster through some of the problems that you might be facing with with growing your company, or or maybe um, we've we've also been through an accelerator where the intent was to have a pilot project with a large co- um, food company be the be the outcome as well. So there's kind of different different forms that they take, but the the intent is to kind of have an intensive program that helps you solve your problems and be able to to grow faster.
1: And are you in Minneapolis
2: or? We're not actually, no. Um our our connection to Minnesota was was just through that accelerator through the Techstars Accelerator program that's based in the Twin Cities. We um I founded the company in Connecticut when I was at, at Yale in graduate school. Um, and then moved the company out to Oakland, California, um, very soon after founding it, because our first partner facility that we are working with to harvest the byproducts is a tofu manufacturer in Oakland. Oh, okay. um, so, so that's what brought me out there. And I'm originally from Northern California, so was also excited to be to be getting back out there as well. Um, and then Caroline, I'll let you pop in about your your background and journey.
3: Um, yeah, I'm originally from. Uh, from a town called Sandwich um and has been out here building the the company in Oakland um yeah since 2018 but,
1: uh, you 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 echoed a little bit over the town in Massachusetts
3: oh it's a town called Sandwich um Sandwich and my okay. fam- yeah my family actually owns an ice cream store there so was uh, introduced okay. to the food business pretty early on.
0: Okay. I was going to ask what you all did beforehand, but before your, uh, your current business.
1: Before then, they were in Hawaii. <laughs> learning no, how to make I,
2: I actually um, started a juice company before, um, before founding Renewal Mill, and that was... It was in that, um, position that I first came face to face with food waste, um, just because of all that pulp that we were generating when we were making the, the juices. So we just would end every day with, you know, a mountain of this super nutritious fruit and vegetable pulp. Um, and it was then that I kind of realized that there, there are a lot of inefficiencies in, in how we think about food production. Um, and, and a lot of nutrition that ends up going to waste and, when I met the owner of the tofu factory and had this really fortuitous meeting and conversation with him around his process, um, realized that we had a lot of shared similarities with the production process and the byproducts. And so um, that's when I, you know, kind of got excited about this as an opportunity and um, to this idea of being able to build businesses off of, you know, treating these byproducts as new sources of raw materials that we could be using as as ingredients. Yeah, so that's I was doing juice before this, and then um, was also before before turning all the you know turning into food. I was um, doing environmental consulting um, at a at an environmental consulting firm based in Boston.
1: Now, tell our listeners something about the products that you create as a result of taking these byproducts and doing something useful with them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're um, primarily focused right now on the pulps that are produced during non-dairy milk production. So soy milk is the first one. So I mentioned we work with a tofu manufacturer. Um, Soy milk is the first step in making tofu. So it's, you know, you make the soy milk and then you curdle it and, and press those curds into the block, which we call tofu. Um, and that soy milk making process leaves behind um, a lot of the pulp of the soybeans. It's it's very similar to juicing in in a way. You're kind of squeezing out um, some of the nutrition of the beans, and then you're left with the remainder. And that pulp is called okara. It actually has a a Japanese name um, because it's it has a a much uh, deeper culinary history in East Asia than it does um, here in the West. Um, but uh, it's it's packed with nutrition, it's a lot of fiber, it's a lot of protein, um, and we found that the same thing is true with the byproduct from oat milk production. So, again, you have a pulp, that pulp of the oats that's left behind when oat milk is made. Um, also, again, it's full of protein and fiber. Um, and so we take those pulps and we turn them into a shelf-stable ingredient by drying them and then milling them into a flour. So... Both of those byproducts create a high fiber, high protein, um, gluten free flour.
1: No, it's in, it's interesting. Did, did you meet the people from Oatly, the, the Swedish people who founded the oat milk company? We did. Yes. Yes. We, th- we thought we thought you might have. I mean, the the world is only um, it's it's fairly small when it comes to recovering scraps and totally, food products. totally.
2: Yeah. Well, you know <laughs> that,
0: the yeah. the. We, we interviewed those people when they first started out. They didn't even anticipate the demand for it, and then they couldn't meet the supply And
2: <laughs> Totally. I can imagine. I know. I I, yeah. I think I just, um, when I was reading about the news of their IPO uh, the other week, I think I read somewhere that they were described as like the 20-year overnight success, because um, they've you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, certainly been was. working on the business for a long time, but... Um, yeah, had quite a blow up in their in their popularity. Well, you know, there's going to be
0: more and more and more of these things because we can't just keep throwing stuff away. Somebody just figured out what to do different with them, um, with uh, byproducts of winemaking. Uh, yeah. I thought they already resolved that. I thought they resolved that when they found out you could use the um, the seeds and the the, what do you call it, the pumice or whatever, um, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. making grappa, but there's something even more um, universally functional that they get out of used grapes. I don't remember what it is now, of course, but um, and it's just, you know, every day you find somebody finding, I mean, we can't just keep throwing food away. I mean, we just can't.
3: Totally,
1: no, no. totally, absolutely. What What is it that finishes up? on the shelf for people to buy
2: yeah so we we sell the flowers retail so um, so you can actually buy the pure flowers themselves and then okay. we um, we have
1: when you say flower F, yep. F, F, F-L, F-L-O-U-R?
2: that's right yes <laughs> not, not no no, uh, no that's no
1: F-L-O-U-R.
0: Right. <laughs> and and mixes like the our brownie mix that, and and that's um, right and the chocolate chip cookies And do you put all of your, your products together in all little kits like that?
2: Yeah, so we, we work with um, – we have an amazing product developer. Her name is Alice Medrich. Um, she's a five-times James Beard Award-winning cookbook author. Um, and she actually had already been doing a lot of work with alternative and gluten-free flours when I um, – met her uh in the in the Bay Area. She's based in Berkeley. And it was uh it was just such a lovely meeting and I think another great just kind of connection moment um where she was really excited about the possibilities of upcycled flowers as being a new segment of alternative gluten free flowers. And and I was obviously very excited because I, I knew, you know, how how much, you know, magic she brings to the kitchen when she when she works with uh, ingredients, and so um, so we've been working together for um, gosh, about like two and a half or three years now. And so she's in; she's been the one who's developed all of the formulations for our baking mixes. And and what we really wanted to do was, um, you know, elevate these ingredients to, you know, really delicious. You know, absolutely wonderful food because you know, obviously, at the end of the day, food needs to taste amazing. And we wanted to make sure that we weren't, you know, we're use, our our goal is to be using these upcycled ingredients so that we're, you know, we have a more sustainable food system. But we didn't want to just turn them into just anything, you know, and and tell people to eat it. We wanted to make sure that we were using them in a way that was, um, you know, also creating some amazing, delicious food that didn't already exist out there.
0: Uh, no, now um, so you do, people keep pitching us uh, things to do with the uh, banana peels. Do you do things with banana peels?
2: <laughs> no, no, we don't we don't yet. Um no, we have we have not explored banana peels. We've done um a bit of R&D um on, uh, we've done potato peels, like potato skins. Oh, um, I
0: love potato skins myself.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, I mean, ultimately it would be great if we kind of transitioned our, uh, I guess, our expectations to um, want to have the the peels left on potatoes when we make French fries. But there's a tremendous amount of waste that just comes from the fact that, you know, we're kind of accustomed to not having the peels on potato products. Um, well, there, and, the
0: the yep. the, um, the, um, the banana peel thing um, really was is a hangover from something having to do with the um, '60s and '70s, where there was some kind of a psychedelic use for them.
2: <laughs> was there really? Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know details. I have to research that up. But it just, it, I know
1: I've read that somewhere.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, I should definitely me, look into that. That's really interesting.
1: Let me, let me give you another example of something that we came across in our travels some, some years ago. My, my, my crazy cousin Richard has a farm in Devonport, Tasmania. But he's, he's brilliant, Richard, by but the way. One of the products that comes from that part of the island state of Tasmania is potatoes. And the potatoes that are grown in Tasmania supply McDonald's franchises all through the Pacific region. Oh wow! But they, but they insist on buying them cut down to the shape that will eventually become a French fry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, totally. So, 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 so they, they're, they're the potatoes that they get paid for are actually. Rectangular. What's, what's that's the word for a three dimensional rectangle?
2: Yeah, like a cube or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, except, it's a, except it's a long thing, yeah. It's, it's right, long, right, long, right. Long it's long by narrow, but but imagine what a scandal that is. Because Yeah, waste that throw the rest of the potatoes away. <laughs> totally, absolutely. Like, Actually one
2: yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite um, kind of upcycling stories because of course like the concept of upcycling is, is nothing new it's existed forever but um, kind of a recent a more recent example that I love is that is based on the potato and it's um, the Orida uh, potato I think they were doing pota- like frozen potato and corn processing um, in the Pacific Northwest these two brothers had started this plant in the in the 40s. And they started doing um, frozen French fry production when that was becoming such a, such a thing. And everybody was, you know, um, loving French fries. And because of all that waste that comes out of that process, just like you were describing, um, they were sending all that excess potato to like spread on fields. And both of the brothers have lived through the great depression. And so they had kind of this mentality of like, you know, don't waste. And so they put their heads together to try to figure out a better use for that, for those extra pieces of potato that, you know, weren't part of that you know, rectangle that McDonald's was buying.
4: And, um, and,
2: and they Vodka. ended up, oh, that's, that that would be a good end of the story. They actually um, created the tater tot out of that. And so okay. um, I think that's kind of an interesting. What, no, an interesting, I said that
0: because one year this um, English, a potato chip company won best in show or something at the fancy food show, and um, but they were faced with the same issue of um, what to do with the rest of the potatoes, and so they started a separate vodka company,
1: which was the premier vodka.
2: That's awesome. So they, That's they great. Came
1: back, they came back a year later as a beverage company. They yeah. was <laughs> <laughs> oh, good awesome. vodka too.
0: Well, long term, you think this is really going to catch on and and be the rule rather than the exception?
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's, yeah. Go no, ahead. go go ahead, Karen.
3: No, I was just going to say that's that's really what we're hoping. Um, we helped start the Upcycled Food Association this past in twenty nineteen, um, and it's grown from nine starting members to over two hundred, including Dole, Mondelez, um Nestle, some, some really big players in the space. U.S. Foods, with the goal of of educating the the general consumer about what upcycled food is and what direct impact it has on fighting climate change. So we're we're really excited to keep spreading that message and and making it easier for producers and manufacturers to to find upcycled solutions for their own byproducts.
0: So have- where can our listeners learn more about um, your company? your products, and actually have access to them. Your website?
3: Yeah, you can find us at renewalmill.com um, and at Renewal Mill on all social platforms. And then if you're interested in learning more about other upcycled food companies, um, you can check out upcycledfood.org.
1: Upcycled. Do, do those again a little more slowly.
0: Food.
3: Yep, it's our org, website it? renew. Yep, that's correct. Dot org. Um, and yes, upcycledfood.org. Up- 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 Great. And then um, renewalmillproducts at renewalmill
1: dot com. There you go. Well, it's 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 been an interesting day <laughs> Every, <laughs> of recording here here on the menu radio. And uh, all I I can tell you is listen up for the next few weeks, listeners, and uh, our guests on the program just now, because there's all kinds of wonderful, surprising things in our podcast menu that are already in the can and ready to be broadcast in the not-too-distant future. So we hope you'll listen in, listeners. We hope you'll continue to listen in with us as we bring you more, more and more and more of these food and beverage-related adventures. And, so and, have, and
0: really important issues in, in our food system, which is how I view this upcycling as well. Upcycling. Thanks so much for having us. Well, thank you for coming on. <laughs> okay. And if you find out what to do about the banana appeals, let me know. <laughs> or <laughs> well, if I find out well, what it. about the psychedelic. I'll
3: and now for our final segment.
0: It's something that I wish we had video for, not just audio, uh, because Michael Chu designs the most, gorgeous objects with a, a well-defined and much-needed purpose um, for his company called Midnight Kitchen Tools, and he brings us now the ergonomic food slicer. Michael Chu, you make the most gorgeous Objects and they're functional. <laughs> I, I reminded you the way we interviewed you, I can't even remember way back when, uh, and I still use it's essential to my kitchen um, your um, midnight um, scoop, your midnight the kitchen ice scoop, ice cream scoop, which is gorgeous. Awesome.
1: And your latest
0: you. one, um, the, the midnight, the, it's called the Midnight Kitchen ergonomic food slicer is another beauty that I think it's a shame to keep it in its, its, its very well uh, um, positioned and designed box, but <laughs> it fits right in there. But it's, it's so gorgeous to look at, and you feel like you're really going to do something because of the weight of it. But let's yeah. start with a little background on this. Is uh, People might be surprised here you are making kitchen tools, but your background is really what? Uh,
4: in aerospace design engineering. Aerospace design. Yep. Aeronautic,
0: yep. yeah, um, engineering, right.
4: That's correct. Yep. I, I worked on um, some projects for NASA. Um, we did, I did um, some uh, conversions of um, Boeing Air, uh, airplanes as well and um my 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 degree is in uh, mechanical and aerospace engineering so um,
0: <laughs> what yeah. made you turn <laughs> your attention to kitchen tools
4: well um i've always struggled um it, the first product which we launched um 5 years ago from now uh was the um ice cream scoop and i always yeah. struggled um scooping hard ice cream with that me
0: too so, until i got yeah, your
4: scoop yeah awesome awesome that was great to hear um and because of because of that i just thought there was a, a there had to have been an easier way to scoop ice cream so um you know i i i then used my background in engineering and design and i knew that you know there was, had to have been a better way so um i tried a lot of different ways i've um, i even uh interviewed some um people and how they struggled with it and um, basically um through, through nighttime um, engineering, uh, just using my free time at night, I uh, designed this um, ice cream scoop. Hence,
0: the name of your company, which is Midnight Kitchen
4: Tools. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's because I designed it at midnight when I'm, you know, um, when I'm not working as an aerospace engineer.
0: You know, I want to tell you that you you switch, you changed my routine for desserts for dinner parties. Is basically, I just got a whole bunch of different um, um, kinds of ice creams in their containers, put them on the table on a tray with your scoop, and let everybody choose what they want. And they can
1: look at your oh, awesome. scoop. <laughs> oh, Great, great. it's a great way. That's most awesome for me. Has the scoop gone to space? <laughs> not, not yet, not yet. But you know oh, we yes. do okay.
4: the 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 material we use is aerospace grade material, so um, uh-huh. it's uh it's it's high end uh, 300 series stainless steel. So we you know oh, we so make sure we use the best steel. material. Okay. Yep, that's correct. Well, yep, but now on
3: your
0: starting point in this new device that I am mm-hmm. in love with. Uh, is um the usual typical uh, very very agronomic un- usual pizza cutter
4: yeah. right yeah. so you yeah. you had
0: trouble cutting pizza as well
4: yes that's correct, so you know I, I, I when we when you think about an uh a pizza cutter um you only think about it used for cutting pizza and yeah. and actually the the, the round blade is very versatile. Um, however, um, it's, it was kind of limited to being only used to cut pizza because the design of the handle and the design of the pizza cutter was made um, really just for one purpose. And, you know, so when I looked at the at the cutting wheel, I thought, you know, like, it's a, it could be a very quick way to dice things up or cut a lot of different things. Um, maybe if we just designed it you know, one, for it to be ergonomic, and two, um, have a have the frame of it be able to withstand um, higher loads or higher cutting loads, then it could um, potentially be used for cutting various things like meats and vegetables. And you
0: know, tell me about things. that. What kind of meat would you cut with that?
4: Well, any, I, I would like, uh, if you want to dice up chicken, say like, you know, like me being a parent, I had a... Dice up a lot of food for my oh, yeah. kids. So, <laughs> I
0: understand um, about something that. like
4: that would be, yeah. something like that would be perfect. You know, you, um, you, you cut up your, you cut up your grilled chicken really quickly, um, any vegetables that you need to cut small as well for children. I, I, I'm, because of being a parent, I'm just, you know, always in the mind of having to cut my foods for my kids, so. <laughs> <And>
0: that, <laughs> you you know that, that story uh, that about the, the, the joke they always used to tell about the woman with all the kids? And, uh-huh. and her husband, the corporate executive, and she, she made such a, a, a fuss about never going anywhere and always being stuck at home that he had this, this big, important dinner meeting and invited uh-huh. her. And so she knew she was going to be meeting all these uh, 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 leaders of the economic world and so forth, the financial leadership and she wanted to be sure to be up on everything because so she read all this stuff so that she would ask the right questions and have the right conversations. And she's sitting next to some CEO, and everybody stops and looks at her. <laughs> and it's because she was talking to him, but without paying any attention, she started cutting up the meat on his plate. <laughs> <laughs> That's Which exactly you could, it. You could, yeah, you could see that. I can see myself doing that.
4: So. <laughs> That's exactly it. I'm in uh, parent mode, you know. That's yeah. What I call it.
0: <laughs> well, now, when did you decide when you did the scoop? When did you decide to make this a company?
4: Um, when I felt that um, there was no other products like how um, we design our products out there. I felt that um, I knew that there. Uh, initially, I didn't know that there was going to be a lot of people um, excited about it. I just knew that I struggled with it. I didn't do any type of research, you know, to see if um, to see if like the general masses would 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 like our products. I just uh, I knew some people, you know, it would help, and especially like uh, carpal tunnel um, or pe- just people generally with weak wrists or people that just don't like. Um, either cutting things or um, scooping hard ice cream, just they, they, you know, a lot of people, some people think it's a chore. So, um, you know, I didn't do market research, but, you know, I just kind of threw it out there and uh, it seemed a lot of people have uh, the similar um, issue. Well, tell us about some uh, of so these features.
0: Well. I mean, first of all, yeah. you, you have like that grip on the handle, but you've, yep. you've reshaped the thing. It's I mean, it's, it's longer, it's... Higher mm-hmm. or lower, and mm-hmm. the wheel. Mm-hmm. Explain some of the changes you made to what we would think of as a pizza cutter.
4: Yeah, so for the for the for the cutter for the pizza cutter, we redesigned it to be used for to cut um, various different types of foods. In order to do that, we wanted to um, incorporate our uh, like a curved handle in the back, so that way when you hold the handle, you can keep your wrist straight. And so you don't have to use the joints in your wrist to cut into um, any type of hard food. So you keep your wrist straight, and then you use your muscles to push into the food. Kind of like using... You're supposed to kind of push, like,
0: not, not saw, yep. right?
4: Yep, exactly. Yep, you're supposed to just push. Push, and then you can really put your weight behind it and, and really cut through. So that way... Um, your wrists are more protected and you're not, you know, you're not bending your wrists in any type of weird ways. And then also the the weight of it, the weight of it also does help push, you know, because of gravity, it does help push down into the cutting of the food it, as it's well. It's
0: heavy. Did um, you pick it up?
4: Yeah. With? Yeah. It's solid. Yep. It's so, really
0: heavy. Um, yeah. we
4: didn't want to, yeah, we didn't want it to make it too heavy where, you know, it was hard to kind of hold, but we wanted to use some of that weight for um, cutting the, the food. So, well, it's um, it's
0: very serious. You can tell just by picking yep. it up.
4: Yep, yep. It's, huh? We like to call it like heirloom quality because we like, you know, we we guarantee your yeah. product for for forever. Um, if you ever have any issues with it, we would just replace it, no questions asked. And we want people really? to kind of hand it down to generations. You know, like we want, you know, we want. Um, some of these items, you know, you 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 build like you know memories with it, you know. And yeah, well, you know, I have my grandmother's
0: cast iron skillets. Exactly,
4: exactly. And I have and, I have um,
0: actually an old um, ricer from my mother. Uh
4: huh. Uh huh. And I'm a potato and, and masher. These things- yeah and these things like uh you know like when you're when you're sharing ice cream or dessert with your family i mean these are these are memories that like um it would be nice to have as well um and we think that um that's what we're trying to build here.
1: Has there been any take up of pizza professionals if you like to think of them that way um not so, yet, and we haven't really
4: reached out to any you know any type of pizza professionals yet um so um, we, we we just released the product and it's just um, it's it's we're we're doing a crowdfunding right now and um, mm-hmm. it will be released on our website um, at the end of this week. So
1: oh, okay. um, so we're still in the
4: early phases and we're hoping you know we're hoping uh, it gets some traction and then we're going to start reaching out to some professional like uh, pizza cutters and actually professional food prep people
0: Now your your website is um, midnightkitchentoolsplural dot com, right?
4: That's correct, tools dot com. Yep. Okay. And well, um, we just have the two products right now: the the ice cream scoop and the pe- and the food slicer.
0: But um, you're going to think of other ones, I'm sure, right?
4: Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
1: now, sure. Are you still are you still flying airplanes from Boeing as well?
4: Uh no, no. Um am um, I'm um, uh, I am working on some projects uh for some NASA projects though.
1: Um, oh, through okay. the
4: University of Michigan.
0: That's um, my alma mater.
4: Oh it is. Ann Arbor. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. So um I, I am still working um, over there, um, at uh the university on some um space satellite projects.
0: In Ann Arbor. Yep. Yep. You know it's a funny place, isn't it? yeah, <laughs> all I remember about it was big so freezing cold, and snowed in all winter
4: <laughs> yeah uh i sometimes I look forward to the to the snow. it kind of helps me uh concentrate on our on my projects, you know like uh, uh-huh. during, when it's warmer when it's warmer, you try to take advantage and you're out and about, and uh you know you don't you don't get to really do what you need to do at. <laughs> yeah, and, of
0: course, there's a the wonderful jelly there. That's always good, too. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, now um, this particular project, I mean this product, when is it going to be available to the general public?
4: It will be available um, at the end of this week on our website for pre-order. Okay. And um, okay. the pre-or- pre-order will be um, for November delivery oh wow year. okay Yep. Yeah.
0: so um and and it's it's dishwasher safe right
4: yes absolutely yep I can't Every, the whole, imagine everything
0: pudding.
4: yeah yeah i mean some people will don't want to but um it's you know it's the same material as um like a like a nice um high-end like dinnerware like spoons and knives you know because that's those spoons and knives are all stainless steel as well. Uh, if you have like a high quality uh, spoon mm-hmm. or knife, it's a 300 series stainless steel. So those are also um, dishwasher safe as well. So we wanted to use a material that was, um, that you could put in the dishwasher and yet it would still have its nice luster and um Oh, it's just quality.
0: beautiful. It really is. Let's run through some of the other foods. I read on your literature that bread, probably all kinds of bread, yep. huh?
4: Yep, yep. And, uh, what, yes, yeah, bread, uh, vegetables, um, we like to say like, you know, thin meats, um, and, um, what, like, uh, what people don't think about often is actually herbs. Like, uh, if you, when you need to, um, dice up some cilantro as, like, um, seasoning or, or garnish, um, <laughs> it really cuts through herbs very quickly and easily, um, or even, uh, dice up some, um, garlic for example so yeah, it's very my, versatile I put my
0: garlic in a, uh, a little mini food
4: processor <laughs> oh okay okay yeah yeah you know <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I mean, a lot of people better, use yeah. a lot
1: of different things you know so this
4: just gives gives uh, people more options
1: you know now is it is it gentle as well Michael I mean could you could you use it for example to to slice tomatoes like um, tomatoes are very thick, and the wheel.
4: The wheel. If if you had sliced the the tomatoes in like um, sections already, then yes, you can kind of dice it, dice the tomatoes. Um, but you know, if it if you start with a big tomato, you you, you have to probably cut it in half with a knife first
1: Got because okay. the wheel
4: isn't that isn't that big.
1: Right, right.
4: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and now, um, what what else you said? What kind of breads? Flatbread,
4: obviously. Um, Yeah, flatbread, um, paninis, um, naan, um, just any type of flatbread if you need to cut. Um, Grilled cheese sandwiches, you can cut, like, you know, um, sandwiches. um, And, um, obviously, pizza. Guess
1: what? (laughs) Yeah. Let's not forget forget it's real purpose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Listen, I mean, don't you think, I mean, I don't know what you envisioned as the market for this, but I imagine that um, a pizza shop wouldn't be your primary target because they only do one thing. But I would think a restaurant Mm -hmm. kitchen might have more value in it.
1: Yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely, because it's so versatile. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. But, you know, a a a pizza a pizza com- company might uh want to do a pizza shop might want to purchase it as well just to cut their pizza you know i think um there's a lot of different um options for us huh. well it's i could hardly wait for your next one <laughs> are you thinking <laughs> of anything you. now um i want I, i'm thinking about a garlic press a oh, garlic press listen you're yeah.
0: talking to you're talking to somebody who actually carried her garlic press to Australia. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> did not rabbit.
1: You you did because uh, I <laughs> the whole of it.
4: I think it was the xyless. All right.
1: Whole, in, what what do you
4: what do you like yeah, what do you like about it and what don't you like about
0: it? Um That's for my research. To think. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of what um well, I guess I don't really. I, I don't. What I don't like about it is that the, the holes get clogged up all the time on the garlic okay. press.
4: Okay. Do you put it in the so, dishwasher and, after you use Yeah, do that?
0: and I, I'm very careful about making sure that it, it's coordinated with the, the part that hits the garlic, and the handle, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. You, you, again, your wrist. So yep. you, you need to be able to have the right amount of pressure, and, um, and and it has to be positioned perfectly to do that. Otherwise, you end up with a mess Okay.
4: And a, sore okay. So, yeah, and a sore wrist. Yeah, and a yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. But, so, um, you know, I, I take into account, like, everyone's kind of complaints about um, this. I guess this is like a glimpse of how I, I try to design new products. Is that you know I, I talk to people on what they don't like about it, what they do like about it, and then I try to you know um, design a product that um, that solves a lot of problems for people, okay,
0: so you start with it, something you're having trouble with, then sure. you start talking to people you know what, what bothers you about whatever's available on the market already. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yep. in part of your market research, you talk to a whole bunch of other people about their experience mm-hmm. with that product, and then you yep. go from there.
4: Yep, yep. I, I list up all the you know things that um, people don't like about existing the existing uh, part, and uh, I try to solve that those problems for them. Um, and I think that's that's a good way to go about it.
0: Well, but do you have in the back of your head that you're also that could be good looking because that's very impressive?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, um, I, I I do, um, and I think that's 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 important too. You know, if if it doesn't look very good, then it's um then it's it'll be hard to to sell as well. So yeah, that's I try to make it functional first before I try to make it look good though, and sometimes when you design something that works really well, um, you kind of. Maybe luck into luck into it, and and it makes it look when it's when it functions right and it's just right. Then it it also most of the time looks good too.
0: Well, listen, I'm really delighted with the way you produce products and the products you produce. Again, um, Michael Chu is the um, aerospace engineer who's doing these kitchen tools for you dear listeners and uh, you ought to check it out on his website com, and uh, you can order one right from there so it's great i can hardly wait till till you do garlic press (laughs) keep us posted (laughs) i will
4: for sure i will for sure thank you so much for having me
0: thank you michael bye-bye That's that. I guess all you what daddy are going to be grilling out
1: today. You think so? <laughs> Probably. Um, anyhow, that's to, if, if not, you'll be getting pizza and cutting it with your very own midnight. My favorite midnight slicer.
0: <laughs> anyhow, that does it
1: for today's show. Um, we'll see you again same time next week. And until then. Bye-bye.